back there. Hey, everybody. What's going on? What y'all doing? You know? This is the Baywatch Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Span, and I'm joined tonight by my lovely wife, Mrs. Span. Say what's up to the people, baby. Hello. Yeah. How you doing? Good. Good day. Mm. Nice and cool on the inside of the house today. Well, that was nice. We can actually, like, record because it ain't hot than a motherfucker in here. Yep. Yep. Got a lot going on. And it's, it's promising as shit. You know what I'm saying? It's promising. But yo, man, this is episode 16 of the Baywatch podcast. And uh, we are doing our recap of Life After Lockup. You get a double dip on this episode, though, because we're going to do two episodes in this in this particular show tonight. And uh, we also going like, to give a little bit of our thoughts on uh, this movie we saw on the 4th of July, Midsummer, man. Uh, we got some thoughts. And we're going to share those thoughts here tonight. But uh, yeah, man, uh, episode 16 of the show. And before we get into everything, of course, we got to remind you guys how to get in touch with us over here at the Baywatch Podcast and let your voice be heard. Go ahead and hit up that hotline at area code 313-288-0485. That's area code 313-288-0485. Leave us those voicemail messages. We'll replay them on the show and respond in kind. You can also email us here at feedback at thebaywatchpod.com. That's feedback at thebaywatchpod.com. Go ahead and leave us those emails. And, of course, we will read those emails here live on the show and respond to you guys here with that as well. Uh, follow me on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Mr. Underscore Span. And my lovely wife's Twitter is? Podcast Bay. Podcast Bay. Go ahead and do that. Make, make sure you go ahead and do that follow. You may be able to get something coming up. Got something coming up for those of you who follow the Podcast Bay. So go ahead and do that. I'm telling you, it might be worth your while for you to go ahead and do that. Uh, also... Give us an iTunes and or Stitcher review. Five stars preferably. Those five-star reviews are the ones that get read here live on the show. We will thank you here live on the show, and we appreciate everybody who goes about the business of doing that. Just doesn't cost you a dime. Two minutes of your time for you to go ahead and tell everybody why you're rocking with us over here at the Baywatch Podcast. Also, uh, you can go to our website, www.thebaywatchpod.com. You can go there. You can uh, Well, we don't do this show live. But you can listen to the show, replays of the show right there on the website. You can vote in the, well, you can do the uh, the ratings. We do ratings for the movies. So you can uh, leave your star ratings for the movies that we review. And you can also uh, donate to the show there. You can go to our store there. Uh, you can become a Patreon patron at our website, man. There's so many different things that you can do over at www.thebaywatchpod.com. And we really do appreciate everybody who will go there, visit there, leave their input there, the whole nine. But, uh. Other than that, baby, how's it been going on? Like, what's been going on? I know we had some... I said, how's it been going on? What's <laughs> what's wrong with me? I don't know. I don't know. So how's your day been, baby? Um, Nothing of note. Nothing of note. Okay. Me neither. Just work. You know what I'm saying? Just people. <laughs> and I don't know if I really like people. Okay. Well, I don't know. That's... Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. So, um... Over the 4th of July weekend, we went to go see uh, Midsummer, and uh, we got some thoughts on that. Um, I was actually shocked that my wife wanted to go see that movie, because here's the thing. I saw We saw the trailer for this movie, I believe it was when we went to go see uh, John Wick 3. We went to go see that, and I was like, you know what? I think I might want to see that. That shit looks kind of creepy. I think I might want to see it. And I think, you know, she thought that I was just kind of like bullshit, and I'm like, eh, I, I, I would see that. And then, like, a few weeks later, she was like, you know what? I think I want to see that. And I'm like, huh. Didn't think that was going to be a thing. (laughs) (laughs) And we went to go see it. And, uh, yeah, man. Shit was weird. 
Shit was weird. Um, we all got up out of our seats after the end of that movie and was like, um, what the fuck did we just watch? Um, what did you think about that, babe? That movie? Got- oh, oh boy. <laughs> I, ooh, wait. That was some, mm. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't know what I thought it was going to be like, but whatever I thought it was going to be like, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. It was kind of creepy. It was very creepy, actually. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I just think it was a lot to take in. I don't know what possessed me to want to see that movie. Well, you've been kind of throwing <laughs> some curveballs at your boy lately, though. Like, you wanted to go see Us. You wanted to go see Get Out. Like, those are movies that I didn't think that you would be, like, interested in in that way. I and... mean, I wanted to see those movies, like, because I'm rooting for everybody black. Is that what it is? Yes. <laughs> Purely. <laughs> I was trying to support the culture. I was not trying to. No. I well, wasn't just. I was trying to support the culture. And then also it's like th- those were movies that everybody was going to be talking about. Well, I'm just saying considering the thought of um, them being like. Can, I don't know. like I don't know if you can really consider like Get Out and Us scary movies. But it's like those those psychological thriller kind of films. Like I just didn't like because people die in the ways they die in those films. I just didn't think that that would be something that you would be interested in seeing. So when you told me that you wanted to see him, I was like, oh word, well those, let's go then, shit. Because those that's not necessarily the things that I find scary or movies that I don't fuck with, like. Annabelle. Like, I'm definitely not going to see that. <laughs> not going to see the fucking Chucky. Wow, fucking, man, I want to see Chucky. Definitely man. not fucking with that. Oh, like, man, not going to be able to go see no, like, Conjuring, Exorcism of Emily Rose, or whom. Like, I'm not, not able to mm. do that. Like, not able to do, like, ghosts, spirits and such, um, otherworldly beings, ghouls. Not able. What about Leprechaun? No. Can't do Leprechaun. Not able. He gets funny at a certain point. No. It gets it, it gets to be ridiculously funny. Like I just I can't don't. believe they really do it. Like they got like the Leprechaun sitting there with a bunch of niggas smoking weed. I just you know what stuff like certain like like otherworldly like entities, spirits, and like things that are not human that you can't just like kill. Like you can't just like kick him down a flight of stairs and he all fucked up. Yeah, like things that like are you know possessed by the devil and like I just can't. I don't. I can't. Not gonna mm. be able, not gonna be able. <laughs> Devil's a bitch. Um, <laughs> he's a bitch. Um, no. Um, but yeah, we gonna be. <laughs> we saw Midsummer, man, and um, I don't know what I thought we were going to be seeing either. Um, I do actually kind of know what I thought we were going to be seeing, and in all actuality, like all jokes aside, it is what I thought was going to happen. And almost every situation happened. They telegraphed quite a bit. Like, you knew who was going to die and when. I mean, not even just that. It was just, like, even from the, um, it was just, the thing about it, I think, I think it it was easy to guess what was going to happen, but I think it was the way in which things happen and the graphic, in the graphic way Mm -hmm. that things happen, which was, like, the shocking part, Mm -hmm. you know? But, like... A lot of, I knew, I kind of knew what it was going to be because that's a real, like, Midsummer is like a real festival or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and there were people complaining, like, you know, people that are really Swedish saying, like, it's not really like that. It's not scary. Like, everyone in Sweden is not in a cult. Like, we are not crazy or whatever else. So, like, I kind of, I kind of knew what I was getting into. I just didn't know it was going to be that graphic. I think the parts that kind of got me was, like, how graphic it was. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, too. Like, I think back to, um, I remember years ago when the movie uh, Showgirls came out. And when that movie came out, like, if we, we would go, we can look at that movie now and be like, I, I don't know if we got, like, the, the sanitized version of Showgirls, but I remember the, the, um, the, uh, the controversy around that movie when it first came out. They were talking about how graphic it was, um, you know, how overtly sexual that movie was. And they were actually talking about putting an NC-17 rating on that film. So if you put an NC-17 rating on the film, you can't really uh, mass distribute it. You won't be played in a whole lot of theaters. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the way that we saw Showgirls, I don't know if we saw the NC-17 version. They ended up just cutting some stuff out to get it to the R rating or what. <laughs> The point that I'm making is the graphic, like the graphic stuff in this particular film, you kind of wonder about the sensibility of the censors now, where we can see these sorts of things, and those these kinds of films aren't being rated. Wait, NC-17. what was real super graphic in Showgirls? That's the point that I'm making is that the attitudes about the attitudes that the censors have about what we see is different. Because I don't necessarily think anything about Showgirls was really overtly I even, graphic. I can't remember anything that was like. I remember she, like, held a knife to the guy, but I don't remember anything. I mean, uh, we're talking, like, titties in a kick line and then, like... Yeah, I know. Jumping off a... Like, that's two different kinds of graphics. I think they were trying to... Okay, so I do remember there being a scene in Showgirls with... uh, I forget the... the, what, What her name was, but her and the producer in the pool and, you know, that whole thing. Like, it was an actual sex scene. I think it was very graphic. I think they edited that quite a bit. I think, and there was a lot of overtly sexual things happening in the film. I think they toned it down so that they can get that R rating so that they could mass distribute it. But the movie was panned anyway. Nobody thought the movie was good. But I remember when that movie came out, how they were rating that movie NC-17. And so now I'm talking, you know, we thinking back to um, the way that, like, how graphic a movie like Saw would be, or Midsummer, or something like that. How graphic these movies are. I mean, think of a scary are. movie, because, it, like, it's kind of hard to compare, like... Not I really. I think I'm... there are different, there are different, like... Comp- like, not, I don't know, different things that they're looking at when it comes to something being, like, graphically sexual, when it comes to something being, like, graphically I, violent. I, I get that there are two different types of graphic, right? Yeah. I get that. I think the point that I'm the point that I'm trying to make is that the attitudes around what we see have become a bit more relaxed. Mm. And so a movie like Showgirls, you we would all look back at that like why the hell would they consider it making that an N C seventeen film? And we're basing that based on the types of things that we're seeing now. Where you would think like you know, well, if they were calling that NC-17, then why wouldn't a movie like this with the with the graphic killings or the uh, the way the stuff that's being depicted, why wouldn't this movie also be rated NC-17? You know, just I don't know. I, don't, I was just thinking about that. That's all. But enough of this shit. We we here for the for the uh, 
Life at the Lockup. And uh, like I said, we're getting a double dip of this. And we are on, let's see, what episode is this? Uh, episode 17 of season two of Life After Lockup or Love After Lockup, Life After Lockup. I'm, I'm confused now. Uh, <laughs> and this particular episode was called Risk and Regulations. And so we start this particular episode with uh, Lizzie uh, meeting with her daughter. Uh, as we know, Lizzie is the uh, the 41 year old woman who was involved in a relationship with Scott. She been she had been fleecing Scott like a you know like an old navy fleece. I mean, she just had this dude all just broke him down to the white meat. Um, and her daughter doesn't particularly like Scott. She's meeting up with her daughter and she's recapping the date that she had with the with the little young high, uh, he might have been like a college age kid. Uh, she's recapping that date and she's telling her daughter how she felt about that date. Um, and she basically told her. Like, look, um, it didn't go that well. It didn't go that well. And, um, it is in the scene. She's making cheese sauce with Cheetos and water. Mm-hmm. How you feel about the cheese sauce, baby? Think it'll be a uh, thing. No. Think we can get some of that, 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 that jailhouse cheese. No, I think <laughs> she was making, I mean, I think, you know, she was in jail for a long time. So doing stuff like that. To her, it's probably, like, regular. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really see, like, it's kind of like, you, I'm looking at it like, well, you're out of jail now, so you don't need to, like, just go get some cheese. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I but, think like, just, no, like, I wouldn't make that. Yeah, I think but, I mean, it's the same, the I guess it's the same thing as, like, niggas get out of jail and they be, like, fucking chefing up the ramen noodles. Like, nigga, just go get some fucking Alfredo. Like, you don't gotta. Yeah, I try to chef up my ramen noodles every now and again. I ain't never been in jail. Okay. Not for no extended period of time, I should say. All right, but no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have it. But um, her daughter doesn't like Scott, and uh, Lizzie says that, okay, so, um, you know, this date didn't go out well, and her daughter is basically like, okay, well, there's other guys you can get with. You know what I'm saying? You try somebody else. There's other people out there for you to try to date, and you may find a nice guy. And Lizzie's really just trying to break it to it. And like, I think we might, I, I can make, I, I may be able to work it out with Scott. And Jasmine is just not feeling it at all. Like, you know, um, basically put up to an ultimatum of you either choose Scott or you choose me. Promise me you ain't going to go out there. And Lizzie said she wasn't going to go. She said she did not promise. Yeah, that's what I said. She said she wasn't going to go. Um, but what do you think about, because as we were watching this, um, I got the I I got this feeling that like there's obviously there's gotta be something else about Scott that we aren't being told for why Lizzie's daughter is so adamant about her not being around Scott or not wanting to be with Scott. Like why does she hate this dude so much considering what we have been shown of her mama just basically hustling this dude out of all his money? Um, I it kinda seems like What's the daughter's name? Jasmine. Jasmine. It seems like Jasmine is blaming Scott for why Lizzie was on drugs for so long and stuff in prison. Mm -hmm. Because that's the only, I think, I really think that's what it is because he was supplying her, he was giving her all the money and she was spending the money on, you know, drugs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Supposedly. Some of the money, at least, that she was able to get into the, you know, how, com- whatever, you know, how right. prison <laughs> economics works. So I think that seems like maybe that's what she's blaming 
um, she's blaming Scott for. Otherwise, it has to be something like that was said or done off camera that we are not privy to or mm-hmm. that may come out because that's the only thing I could think of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I guess that could be it. You know, she blames him for that because other than that, I really can't see why she would be so upset at Scott because it seemed to me like Scott was like, he's so in love with this woman that he's willing to give her any and everything just to say that he's with her. And I think Lizzie knows that and takes full advantage of that. Yeah. Um, I just can't understand why Jasmine, after seeing these two interact, can't also see that for herself also, you know, like, I mean, Jasmine, I get this, her mom and everything, but, but still like if my mama was like, you know, taking a nigga for what he had and whatever else, like, I'm not going to be mad at the nigga. I'm going to laugh at the nigga. So, like, why... That's why I don't get, like, she is so staunchly against Scott that it's, like, it obviously it had... Like, there had to be something, like, he yeah. was real bossy. I don't know. It had to be something about him or something <clears throat> that he did or was doing that was off camera or whatever that, like caused her to be like that otherwise she's just not very logical yeah i mean because like truth be told before her mom even got out she was already talking like i don't want my mom with this guy and that's why i think that she really is stupidly blaming scott for her mom being um being on uh drugs and stuff in jail but the thing was i think with with, like, all her Lizzie's charges and all the shit that she had done, she would have been in jail anyway. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether he was giving her the money or getting her drugs or not. or not. So, Lizzie... So, um, Jasmine's, like, blame or anger should really be more so towards her mom. Like, yeah. her mom is the reason... Like, Lizzie is the reason that Lizzie was in jail. Mm-hmm. Not Scott. Whether S- Scott was giving her the money, somebody else was giving her the money, or nobody she was, was giving get her the money. money. She was going to get the money gonna she was going to be in jail yeah. anyway. Yeah. So I think that probably Jasmine just like really wants a relationship with her mom, which understandable. She really wants it. So instead of placing that anger uh, and dealing with that anger with her mom, she's placing it more onto Scott because then she can just dismiss Scott, but she doesn't want to just dismiss her mom. Yeah. But then there's also that the whole thing of, um, she puts her mom in the position of having to choose between them. And, you know, when she told her mom, like, look, if you go, there's no more relationship. There's no more trying to get to know each other. This that I'm, I'm done, you know? And I, I, I kind of think that it may be an empty threat, uh, only because I believe that she, I, I, I do believe that she really does want to have that sort of relationship with her mom where they're close to getting tattoos together and all that sort of shit. <laughs> she wants, she wants to like foster that, you know, almost like a friendly relationship. It's not like it's a mother daughter relationship. This is more so like some sisters kind of shit. Not, well, not necessarily because I think like my mom and I, now that I'm an adult, we have like a nice friendship to where like, we would, we go, you know, we'll go to like a bar together and mm-hmm. like drink or we would like go not, you know, I would be like out in the club or whatever, but mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, if, you know, <laughs> but we have, we would, go, we would go get matching tattoos and it wouldn't be on some like, let's get this Bible. It would, you know, mm-hmm. it would be like, we have a nice friendship and we have to remember that although Jasmine is pretty childish, like she's an adult, she's like 19 or 20. Yeah. So her relate and her mom also didn't raise her 
Yeah, and so, that's, that, that's part of the reason why I was talking about the, the whole sisterhood thing because Lizzie wasn't there for a good portion of her life. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like Lizzie kind of uh, doesn't feel like she's even in a position to kind of like command a little bit more respect from her daughter and her choices because she was away for so long. I just don't think that Lizzie is even really that kind of person. Yeah. She's not really that kind of person that would get out and be like, authoritative and whatever else and i think if she got out and and jasmine was 15 they might have a different relationship lizzie might be like more uh i don't even want to say like not in control but just more like more nurturing and more motherly. It would mm-hmm. be less of like, we're fun. Like we can both have fun together. I think Lizzie is looking at it like, yeah, this is my daughter, but like she's grown and we can like go have fun together and like do things. Um, so I, I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be kind of weird to see what happens between them two after, of course, you know, she's going to go to meet Scott. So, uh, there's that. Um, the other part of this, uh, episode was, um, was that Clint, and what's her name? Tracy. Tracy. So motherfucking crap. Yeah, man. So <laughs> Tracy going through it, man. She got twenty four hours before she can get off parole. Um, Clint's mama said, "Nah, I don't want to meet her. I'm cool. Keep that girl over there where you <laughs> where you at." And um, basically, Clint is like working his pops to try to get him to convince his mama. To like meet with Tracy to give her this second chance. He's like, man, I've been married to this girl. Y'all haven't met her and everything else. And um, while he's doing all of this, Tracy's going to like you know the furniture store. She's you know she's talking about you know I gotta I've been living in this bachelor pad. I gotta kind of give his place like a woman's touch and stuff. And she's very lonely. Um, she's desperate for friendship. And she's in the furniture store. She's like, yo, she's t- she just told the girl like, yo, I just got out of the joint. Um, you know, I, I, I'm in this place. I need to, you know, gussy this place up and everything. And old girl was like, well, I'll be your friend for today. And she's like, nigga, just for today, though? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I need a friend, man. I need a friend. And um, she was kind of going through it, and she found herself at a bar ordering a tequila and, and Coke. Uh, you think she drank it? Yes. If you... <laughs> If you look at the, if you look, and I looked, because Uh I am not going to poo-poo on someone's sobriety or whatever, Uh but if you look, when the lady brought the drink over, it's full, Uh and then, like, maybe two little clips later, the drink has, the drink has been drank Mm -hmm. from. She may not have slammed that bitch or been sitting there having, like, tequila shots or whatever else, Mm -hmm. but, like... The drink had been drank from. Okay, I mean, I guess I w- I would wonder like um, because she's you know she's a no addict you yeah. know alcoholic and everything um, how she was able to control only having the one if she did have the drink well, and have just the one. Um, this this is what I think the magic of TV. Yeah, because they really did like, <laughs> split this there's, shit over like seven no, hours. No, I mean I think that there's just very many there. You know, I'm always like there's very many conspiracy theories the overarching conspiracy theory is that they're all actors none of them have ever been to jail she's not really an act of addict she just looks like that man they did a good job and of her makeup if they did god damn. no she just looks like that that's not makeup that's just her face she Ooh. just looks like that Ooh. and so she 
is not really an addict. There was never even tequila in the fucking drink. And she accidentally took a sip from it. Mm. So that's going that's like overarching conspiracy theorists. This is a TV show, side eye, you know, whatever. Um, or she is an addict and she asked for <laughs> this is how much attention that you have to pay. Mm-hmm. She asked for she said, Let me get a tequila and and she may or may not have said a coke. So the bartender, we may not see the bartender bring her a shot of tequila, and we see the Coke. Mm-hmm. Why the Coke is in... Now, normally if you're at a bar and you say, I would like a shot and a, they bring you the Coke or whatever it is in a regular glass. Mm-hmm. The Coke, quote, unquote, <laughs> is in a lowball glass, like it's a cocktail, uh-huh. with a straw, and it has, like, salt or something, sugar or something on the rim mm-hmm. of it. Is there a mysterious shot of tequila that Tracy never drank and then it was just regular Coke that she sipped from? I don't know. Or did she order a weird-ass tequila and Coke and the bartender put sugar, salt, whatever on the rim and a lime and put it in the low-ball glass and gave it to her and she sipped it and is not remembering that she sipped it? Mm. Or doesn't think anybody notices that she sipped it? I don't know. I don't know either. All I know is Clint is really adamant about, yo, man, y'all got to give her this second chance. And I think for I think for Clint, Clint is like, yo, I feel like I, I feel like if you guys don't do this, I'm going to lose my wife. Because he's already on some like, yo, if she goes back to jail, this is over, and he feels like she's teetering back towards she may end up going, you know, using again, and that will, in turn, put her back behind bars, and he's no longer going to have a wife. Um, so I think his parents actually kind of feel a little bit of pressure to, like, just, all right, boy, we're going to do this for you just so you can get the hell on up out of our face or whatever. We'll meet with the girl. Um, but I don't really think I don't really think they, they, they wanted to, though. I know his mama really didn't want to. I don't think it's even that his mom just, like, flat out didn't want to. I think... It's that they feel badly about the situation, and Clint is their only child. Mm-hmm. And you know, Tracy really, really did a number on him. She really, really hurt him. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's hard for as a parent. It's it's hard for the parent to just let that go. Mm-hmm. Like as someone who's in love, or you know, as he's an adult, but as a child or whatever, he's really in love with her. So he kind of can look past, you know, what she did and how sad he was and whatever because now he's happy that he has her back. But his parents are like, when you fucked up and you left him, we were left with the fucking fallout, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's their baby. So I can see why they're like, no, I don't really want to fuck with her like that. The other part that I thought was interesting about this, like after we watched this episode again, I didn't hear the first time that we watched it that he was an only child. Oh. The second time we watched it was when I picked up that he was an only child. And I was like, oh, snap. Now it makes more... To me, it kind of clicked in this way. Maybe this is because I'm a cynical motherfucker. But it kind of clicked in this way for me that, like, maybe the reason they really don't want Scott with... I mean, Clint with her is because should something happen to either one of them, the business probably falls to Clint. I don't think it does. 
Maybe. I don't know. I don't think it does. But I was thinking maybe like they did or even if the business doesn't, he would get some sort of inheritance or he they'd have some sort of they'd have some sort of fund for him if if they should ever pass on. And if he has this lump sum, this windfall of cash yeah. and he's got this, you know, drug addicted, alcoholic wife, then this money that has been set aside for him to live off of He's going to blow right through it because of his wife. And I think that, to me, that's why I was kind of thinking, okay, so now it clicks even more as to why they don't really want him with her. Outside of all of the other reasons. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I don't think that, um, I think I'm sure, you know, because they seem wealthy, that I'm sure he'll get something if they if they pass away or something happens to them. I don't think the business would be in his hands because there's clearly something off about him. Yeah. And I think that both of his parents kind of, understand that and obviously they do they're you know around him and they're his family so i don't think that probably the business you know the whole thing the whole shebang would just be like left to him i think you know maybe another family member whatever his uncle somebody else um but who knows who knows come on on to clint's and get cracklings with your crack no um (laughs) not cracklings lord Oh, man. So we're moving on from uh, Clinton Tracy to Lamar and Andrea. And this is uh, Lamar coming back home from getting out of jail. Um, and the kids, well, the little girl, the seven-year-old, is is she? I, I, I kind of want to say the little girl was pretending to be happy that Lamar was home. I don't know. I think she. I don't think she's pretending. I think uh, I think that she is happy, but I think she's pressured because her brother and sister are not yeah. happy. And so at, when you're at that age, you still... You, you want to fit in. You want to fit in, but you also really love your mom and dad. And you want to... You're still at... She's still at the age where she wants to please her mom. Yeah. And so her mom is happy and she's heavily probably influenced by her mom like a seven, you know, whatever seven-year-old would be. Mm-hmm. But... She also wants to please her older brother and sister, and she sees that they're unhappy, so she doesn't know really what to do. So it's awkward. Yeah. And not only that, I think Andrea was, like, kind of lying to Lamar, or she was lying to Lamar when he was asking about the kids and whatnot. And she like, they can't wait to see you. And he's, like, he gets in the house, and uh, her son is, like, kind of in his notebook, writing notes down, doing homework, never really looks up at him. Uh, Her daughter is, like, real short and curt with him when he's talking to her. Um, and like they said something to, he said something to the effect that he wanted to go get something to eat. And her daughter was like, well, we were planning on making you something to eat. And you're like, well, I'm ready to eat now though. Um, I don't know. Something about these kids, man. Well, I mean, also that's like, imagine if you, you, okay. (laughs) It's one thing if you came home and I was like, oh, I planned to make you this and the other. You might still be like, oh, but I really had my heart set on Popeye's. Whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck it was, right? Mm -hmm. But if it's me and Kimaya here and and she's like, oh, dad, like I really wanted to make you this and the other. You're going to sit your ass down and let her make you whatever else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because Like when there's kids involved. So I didn't see why he couldn't just like, you know... Uh, if if the kids if he's they're trying to play like he has he's so close with these kids and 
and he, you know, he really loves them and this and the other. Like he should, he could have just like fucking sat there and let them fix this meal or whatever they were gonna do. Uh, he could have. I mean, I guess like it's it's the way in which they play this entire like they they play this thing off that just never really sits right with me. Like with him and these kids, because again, I feel like his wife is. I feel like she's very inauthentic. Yeah. I think I, I feel like his wife is inauthentic. I think uh, she's brought these kids up in a way where they're totally oblivious to what's happening or what happens with like Lamar and everything else. So they don't fully understand why his situation is the way it, and they don't really care either. Well, I don't, I think it's also like we, I think we talked about it before that they're kind of sheltered from, I mean, living in, I'm sure that there's, probably some black people in Utah. There's black people are every, almost I mean, every yeah, single there, place. There's some. So, but I think they are also, when I, when we were just previously watching the episode, this last episode, and, um, they were, they were at the, that table at that restaurant and he's like, where were they in the house? And he, she, she goes, I don't think he's talking about being in a holding tank. That's why he was so tired. This is this is the scene I'm talking about now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead and play the scene. Maybe I can get my thoughts together. Hold on. Let me let me let me go ahead and play this real quick. Let me get ready. Sorry. Different, better person. My little baby, you know what I'm saying? Priscilla, she happy. She jumping on the couch. You don't sound like Tom Cruise. So. Yeah. But no, I'm disappointed a little bit. The other kids, they, they weren't that excited for me to come back home. What's up, Tendis? You ain't gonna say what's up, Tommy? What's he doing? I'm going homework or something? Yeah. How you spell kiss? K-I-S-S. Can you spell dad? Yes. How? D-A-D. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh. I am kind of nervous about Lamar coming back. Hey, Nolly. I missed y'all. I feel a little like I got a little burned because there were a lot of promises involving him becoming a different, better person. It's not too much to ask to stay out of prison. It's, it's just, it's not too much to ask. You look tired. Yeah, I am tired. I've been up since like two this morning. They had you up in the holding tanks. Sleep. I'm sure she doesn't know what a holding tank is. Well, and I don't want somewhere to. They sit you I in. don't want to know. Well, so you I'm don't good. want to know. Uh... I'm good. Yeah. Okay. So this, that's not even all of it. But part of it, I think, when um, tennis shoes had went into. The whole tennis shoes. That little nigga gets on my nerves. <laughs> but uh, when he went into the whole like they were he's at the at the table when they went to the soul food restaurant, he's like, I'm just gonna need a moment to like, um, like I don't trust people and like when they come they kind of leave and come back in the circle like I don't like that and whatever else. And also with um Ny- Nyla Nyla whatever the fuck homegirl uh-huh. was like talking about I don't know what a holding tank is and like I don't want to know I don't want to know I think that kind of sh- kind of goes to show how sheltered they are and how they're kind of 
rejecting, which is, I mean, it's sad to say, but like kids that grow up nowadays and kids that grow up in, you know, urban culture or inner city kids or, like, I mean, just like think about like a kid, how different a kid, a di- how different a kid's understanding of that, like a kid from Chicago mm-hmm. or a kid from Detroit mm-hmm. and like them, like a kid while, you know, someone like, I think that the daughter, I think she's 14 or something like that. Yeah. But a 14 year old from Detroit may will understand things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Like Nyla has no understanding, no compassion, no nothing for him. Right. But a kid that is, you know, from the inner city and for who was raised around this, like, yeah, they still might be a little upset at their dad or, you know, their mom's boyfriend, whoever, their father figure. Mm-hmm. But they have a different understanding of the fact that like things do happen. People do get pulled over for no reason. Stop and frisk. People, you know, the police are fucked up. There's so many other things that that more urban youth have a different understanding of that these kids, and I think that's why they come off so cold, is because they don't even have an understanding of the fact that, like, black men are being targeted by, um, by police. And that the goal of prisons and stuff is to fill them up with people of color, with men of color. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't understand that this is an epidemic. They haven't been exposed to that kind of thinking or mm-hmm. even just like prison reform or even just like rehabilitating um, people, rehabilitating, you know, ex-convicts and felons and the whole idea of being a felon and trying to be a part of society or getting a job and stuff like that. They don't have any concept of that. Mm-hmm. Well, other kids, especially kids, you know, that we may know and kids, most <laughs> kids in America that are even just aware of anything outside of their home understand these things. Right. So I think that really, it really makes them come across annoying other than the fact that they are annoying it makes them come across even more cold. Yeah. And I, and I, I think, and I've said this before on here and even on Twitter, as a matter of fact, I found myself in a back and forth with two white ladies about their understanding of like jail and stuff like that. And cause I was just like, yo, did, like the way that they're coming across with him, like not understanding how easy it is for someone like him to go back to jail, practically not really doing anything Mm -hmm. like their lack of understanding of that. Like, and their mom's not really trying to explain to them either. Cause it's, it's almost as if she's trying to act as though she doesn't understand either. As a matter of fact, in that, I got that clip from the, from the soul food restaurant where they are kind of talking about it. Here it is right now. In, in this foreign place, when you leave, we feel like you abandoned. But leaving is a whole different situation. Like, I see a family member that I haven't seen in years, and I get in the car with him, and we get pulled over, and he has a gun. Like, well, let me ask you this. Stuff happens in life, and by us being... Uh, Not stuff like no, but, I go to jail but, on accident. It is. Stuff. It does happen out here. Yeah. African Americans yeah. go to jail every day out here yeah. for no reason at all. You really did. Yeah, and so right here, they're gonna, she, her daughter is going to ask him for an apology. You know what I'm saying? It's like, wait, he's trying to explain to y'all exactly how something like this could happen where even not trying to go to jail, he can go to jail just by being around family. Right, like he's around. Like I, I would, I see. I ain't seen my cousin in years. I see my cousin. I get in the car with him. He got a gun. He didn't even know. And because he's got this gun in the car with him, I go to jail. 
and they have no fucking empathy for that whatsoever. They have no understanding of, you know, um, like I said, how easy it is for something like that to trip somebody up to keep them in the system. But, I mean, I think Andrea, like, at the end of the clip, she basically was like, I agree. She was saying she agrees with him, like, or whatever. So I think, like I said, like I have said before, (laughs) she is not directly from Utah. She's from Houston, Texas. Like, she didn't grow up Mormon or anything like that. So she knows. Mm -hmm. She knows what the fuck is up. But I think, so I think she's also this, she's got to play this, Utah Mormon conservative kind of role um, when it comes like because that's how she's portrayed herself and that's how she's been with her kids mm. but the Houston Texas part of her that fell in love with a nigga that was in jail and like the real you know how her at her core probably how she grew up and being raised as a black woman she has to also deal with that so like I just think it's, I think it's very interesting. Like, yeah, she could have done a better job. She could have done a, she, she could have and can still do a better job of teaching her kids about really what it is to be black in America today. But I can also see where that's scary. You don't, you want your kids to have a good childhood. You want them to preserve their innocence. Mm -hmm. And like, it sucks to have to like talk to your kids about this kind of stuff. Like, you know, she has not talked (laughs) to these kids about anything. She has not talked to... I feel like, and it sucks because also ten, tennis shoes is going to be out and he's out in wherever Compton is. And he's, they're in Los Angeles. So and he, so he, he's out and he's in the wild and he, he doesn't know how to conduct he himself. No he has no concept of how to deal with the police. He has no concept of how to probably deal with other black men. Mm. And just looking at him, like he's 17. Like, I don't know if it's something in the water here, like no pun intended or whatever, but like, 17-year-olds around these parts <laughs> be looking like grown men. Like, he's, he looks like a little child. Like, he looks like a little boy. Like, a you know, at 17, like, you're still technically a child, but, like, his mannerisms, the way he behaves and stuff like that. Now, I'm, I'm Compton. I, I, I guess the thing that, I, that really, I guess, annoys me the most is that, like, okay, you married this dude fresh out of prison. Your kids took some time to adjust to that. Supposedly they bonded with this guy over a period of time before he supposedly got we didn't see that right. he bonded with these right, but in the time that he's been locked up, it's as if there hasn't been any conversations with her, with him, or those kids around the situation, how it happened, and how it can, can how it can happen, even even if you're not really doing anything. I think, and right, and I also think the conversation that she needs to have with her kids goes back way further and is about way more than just Lamar yeah. and him going to jail. And I, I wonder if maybe she doesn't really understand that she needs to do that, or she doesn't want to, or something like that. There's such a disconnect between these kids and quote unquote black culture, to where this is the first time they would they'd ever been in a soul food restaurant. Like, she announced that to the waitress. But the thing, like, but the this thing, is the first time they've ever had soul food. But the thing about that is, is that that doesn't even add up because when they were in the, the couple episodes ago, when they were in their grocery store, and Andrea was like, if I do this, are you going to fry the chicken? So... I mean, fried chicken, I don't necessarily consider that just soul food. Everybody eats fried chicken, baby. Not not everybody. Just about. Not everybody. And you're Just about. and the way that they were described, she was saying like the food that they were getting, like they were getting regular ass like Sunday dinner food. 
that I'm sure that they've eaten before. So it doesn't, it just kind of, to, to me, it's like, it doesn't add up. Yeah. It's just, it's the, 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 the whole situation with these kids, man. I hate to like even look at kids sideways the way that I do, but it's something about these kids. The shit just ain't sitting right with me. And for me to be sitting, <laughs> having to go back and forth with two white ladies on Twitter about these black ass kids not knowing about the criminal justice system <laughs> and they, they stepdad is, 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 is currently embroiled with it. Like, I'm like, all right, man, y'all basically proving my point for me by even having this conversation. But um, we're going to move on because now we got Marcelino and Brittany. And uh, right as it stands right now, Marcelino and Brittany, they have a young girl. They have a, a baby daughter. Uh, they got they went and got themselves a dog. And um, her, her, her son, Giovanni, has been living with them uh, for a portion of time, apparently. And... While Brittany was locked up, her her baby's daddy went out and got um he went out and he he petitioned for sole custody of the kid and he got sole custody of the kid uh because of course she was out robbing folks had burglary going on she was a crystal meth addict she he got full custody of the kids and so now she's like well the reason he got the full custody is because he sent the paperwork to an address I was no longer living at. And I didn't show up for the court date because I didn't know I had it. And they gave him full custody because of that. And so they're talking to the lawyer about whether or not she's got options to maybe restore some of her parental rights back. Um, <laughs> and Marcelino goes in this motherfucking thing and says, well, it's in, my, in my opinion, we should get 100% sole custody of Giovanni. What do you think about that, baby? I okay. I got the clip, but I don't know if I should. Here's here's my thing. Here, here here's what <laughs> I think. To me, where's this coming from? Because Giovanni's daddy seemed like he was stable, like he had a house, he mm-hmm. had a, a lady yeah. friend, whoever mm-hmm. that. I don't know if that was his wife or whatever. That and, he had them over to his house. Yes. He yeah. was in a stable situation. Yeah. So, and it's, and they're all in Las Vegas where, so they're in the same town mm-hmm. where that's, they're in the same town. So, you know, Giovanni being with them and then not ever seeing his, like his, not seeing the dad. Like, I don't get it. That, that's, that's kind of how it seems like they trying to play it, but, I feel but like it doesn't make fucking sense. Yeah. They're trying to play it off like that. And, and, but maybe here's here's the thing though. Also, maybe he took up responsibility because he saw that Giovanni or whatever didn't have nowhere else to go because Bernie was in jail. Now Bernie's back, and maybe there is some shit going on. He don't want to have nothing to do with the the little boy or whatever else. Mm-hmm. But to me, it hasn't been quite long enough for Marcelino to be piping up talking about they need to have 100% custody and this, that, and the other else mm-hmm. because there could be so many reasons. Like, I can think of five good reasons right now why Brittany's... What is his name? Tito? Tito, I, yeah. Why he don't want to come around Marcelino because Marcelino's talking about, oh, he don't come around for the birthday, for Thanksgiving, whatever else. Nigga, maybe he don't want to come around there with your ass. Because Marcelino, while, you know, I am still waving my tiny little flag for him, Marcelino is irritating. He's hard to be around. He's, like, 
contrarian. He's just, he just is that kind of person. Like, he's just a weirdo. He's hard to fucking be around. Mm-hmm. So maybe he don't want to be around, you know, be around him. Now, that's not a good excuse to not be around your kid and not come get your kid or whatever. But it's like, Marceline, instead of just jumping from, like, they'll have zero custody to, like, now we should get 100. Like, he couldn't even stop in the middle and say, like, we need to get 50-50 because that's what a logical fucking person would and do. And that's what Brittany asked for. She, like, I would, like, if I could just get, like, 50-50 custody of uh, Giovanni, then I'm cool with that. I also think Brittany knows better than to say anything nice or good about Tito to G- to um, to Marcelino because I think... he's very insecure. Yeah, and I think that if... Brittany was like, hold on, Tito's not a bad dad. Like, he, that is his real dad. And it's important for him to have his biological father, his father in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tito's, you know, a decent dad. I think Marcelino would flip out, like, and twist the whole situation on her. So yeah. she's not going to just flat out say, because it's like, it's common sense. Like, the dad is alive and well, had him for this long. He knows the dad. Dad was in a stable, seemingly stable situation. Common sense. Like, let's get 50-50. Marcelino too insecure for that shit. Like, if Marcelino gonna be the daddy, he wanna be the only daddy. Yeah. And little the little boy was calling him daddy. Yeah. So, I, I just... Oh, so, Marcelino. Here's my thing. Um, I thought it was wild. Like, wild crazy and like, dude, you are totally stepping over your bounds to be talking about, yo, I want 100% custody of this kid from his from his biological father. Meanwhile, his biological mother is like, no, nah, actually, we should probably be going 50-50. And like I said before with Marcelino, I really, and I, I still feel this, I feel like at every opportunity, Marcelino is trying to isolate her. Yeah. At every opportunity, if he can cut her off, from any other, if he can cut her off from everybody else, where she solely only has him, then he can, can he can control the entire situation. And I think that's really what he's aiming for. So when Marcelino says that, well, we should get a hundred percent custody of Giovanni. Okay, so you had this, you had this, this, this loose end. I hate to call the kid a loose end, but you got this loose end out here. We can bring this loose end in, and if I can say we get a hundred percent custody of this kid, now we ain't got to deal with this guy. We can cut him completely out. Your your friends, you you keep hanging around these these felony convicted felon ass women. They may be your only friends, but no, nah, you can't be around them no more either. And then it didn't help that um the the lawyer was telling her like, look, when you go in for this custody thing, the judge is gonna bring up like your you know uh, Tito is gonna probably bring up your convictions, your drug abuse, uh you you know the people that you hang around. He's gonna probably bring this up, and it's not gonna really be a good thing for you. Uh, when he does bring these things up because they are going to take these things into account. The only thing that I always said with, with, with Brittany when it came to her friends is that they may be the only people that she has. She may not have a real connection with many family. That's probably why she's so attached to these damn friends from prison. I mean, yeah, and then also being in, being in prison with someone, imagine like if you and I had to spend a weekend together just in our bedroom, but with no TV, no phone, no internet. Like we're going to be, you know, there's going to be some conversations had some, you know, some things going on, your feelings, just lots of things are occurring with that. And it sucks, but I can remember at a young age, my parents telling me like, not necessarily like birds of a feather flock together, but like 
like that was kind of like the moral of the story of like your parents don't want you hanging out with a, a bad crowd or mm-hmm. you know the people who are getting in a lot of trouble because stuff like that is kind of contagious stuff like that can kind of spread especially for you know uh, um a person who is kind of vulnerable to that and I can see how Brittany would be vulnerable because if those are her only friends and so she's clinging on to that connection I could see how she would be vulnerable if, you know, something went down, some trouble happened or whatever else. Or just like how um, Lamar, you know, got in a car with somebody, didn't know they had a gun mm-hmm. and whatever else. Same thing could happen to um, to Brittany. And the th- I think also the thing about it is, I don't know about, we don't really know very much about... Um, what was it, Amanda, the who was the girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend? I believe was, so. So we don't really know much about her, but it's, they were trying to make it seem like she got out, she was trying to be, you know, on the good foot or whatever. Sasha seemed as though she was getting, she got out, she was trying to, you know, didn't seem like she was still doing anything bad, but her charges kind of followed her. Her situation was kind of more serious. Yeah, she was basically so, out on bail waiting for, like, you know, trial and Yeah, like, and I can see why, um... Brittany is looking at it like, hold on, like, they're good girls. Like, they're, you know, they served, they did their time. They're trying to, you know, rehabilitate just like I am. Yeah. Or whatever else. But in the eyes of the court, we're looking, you looking at it strictly on paper, like, these are ex-cons. These are felons. And you're hanging out with them. Y'all are all criminals hanging out together. Mm-hmm. What good can you be up to? Mm-hmm. So. No, I, I definitely see it. I see it. I, I just think that for the purposes of why Marcelino has been so pressing upon her not being around them. I don't necessarily believe it's about keeping her out of jail. I really do believe that it's about keeping her under his thumb. And if he can eliminate everybody around her that she's connected to outside of her son, if he can eliminate all of these other people from around her, he has her isolated and there's nowhere for her to go and he controls the entire situation. It's not like she's out working. He's the one providing the income. Yeah, and I don't even think, I can't even see her bringing home, like, you know, she went to, like, a play date with the preschool or whatever and, like, made, like, mom friends. I feel like he probably would find something wrong with them, too. Not only that, shit, could she even go? Because she's an ex-con. Yeah. She you know what I'm saying? Go. I mean, because, you know how many felons have I mean, yeah, I'm, kids in school and I, I, whatever I, I else? All like, that. they could still you know, she. If she, I could see if she was a sex offender, then like definitely no, she can't go. But I just know they be sometimes. Sometimes there, there, there can be some unreasonable restrictions. Sometimes oh, yeah. that's all yeah. I'm saying. But uh, yeah. So that's going on. Uh, we go back to Clinton Tracy because Tracy finally showed up at home after her day at the bar. Clint at home losing his fucking mind. He thinks she didn't, you know, dipped out on him again like the whole, the whole crack episode. And um, she's basically like, man, he said, why you ain't called home? She's like, nigga, all you do is bitch, man. Like, <laughs> like it's always I mean, rules, man. This is something, this is something that I think about. Well, okay. This is something, it's kind of a reach. Okay. <laughs> but Go ahead, like, reach for it, baby. No, like, this is something strong. that kind of made me think about, like, the fact that, like, I don't know if you ever have experienced this, but I have experienced this plenty where, like, if I, like, go out somewhere mm-hmm. and my, you know, my friends or whoever would be like, your husband let you do that? And I'd be like, let me? 
Because that's a, to me, that's a foreign concept. Mm-hmm. There's things that I will ask you about that you'll be looking at me like, what the fuck you asking me? You a grown woman. Right. <laughs> like, do what the fuck you gonna do, homegirl. <laughs> like, you just... But there are people that... Although I do appreciate the fact that you do ask. I'm, it, it, I, I appreciate when you ask, but at the same time, it's like, she didn't really need my permission, so... Okay. Yeah, but it's just like, in a sense, it's like, it is endearing to, he is, he's worried about yeah, her. Yeah, Which he definitely. has, he has many reasons has to be. all the reasons And to be. at the end of the day, he loves her and that's his wife. If I was out somewhere for an extended period of time, while you not, may not be thinking I'm out on the motherfucking crack pipe, if I'm out for an extended period of time, I don't answer my phone. At a certain point, this has never happened, but at a certain point. It almost did. You gonna be like, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> the text message is gonna be in all caps, and you gonna be like, "Hey, where the fuck you at?" <laughs> but you know, answer your motherfucking phone. <laughs> I don't even know. I would. I don't even know what I would look at my phone and say if I saw that ever coming out the damn text. Answer thread. your motherfucking phone. No, I couldn't send that. That ain't even my style. That ain't how I get down. But yeah, he's got all the right. He's got all the, like the, she's given him every reason in the world to worry about her. And like, again, she's coming up on the ending of her parole and yeah, he's like, yo, you of all people should know in 24 hours, a whole lot can happen. And she comes home. Like I said, man, she's like, man, cause all you do is bitch, man. It's all these rules, 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 rules. He's like, yo man, but after tonight, ain't no more rules. Yeah. But he did make sure to say like, you don't have to answer to the parole people anymore. The you only person you me. have to answer to is me. Which, like, true, but, like, nigga, don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I, I think, to a certain degree, like, I think Tracy knows who she has. And, you know, like, I know she doesn't necessarily feel like anything that he's telling her to do, he's doing it maliciously. Like, it's it, it, it's a bit different, like, with his level of control as opposed to Marcelino's level of control. You know what I mean? And it's funny because in all actuality, I think that other than the obvious, it'd be fucking weird. And I know Brittany would never go for a fucking Clint, but like if Tracy needs Marcelino's control and structure and like regimented ways, like Mm -hmm. she needs that type of partner to kind of keep her on track because she's, she's really hanging to me. She comes across like she's hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. Brittany, on the other hand, seems like she has some fucking common sense yeah. to her. She has some, you know, she she got out of jail. She got a little baby. She's trying to live her life. She's trying to do good. You know what I'm saying? She's just trying to be a regular bitch. And she needs someone to nurture her and, and love her and be there for her and, like, treat her sweet, treat her yeah. nice and kind. Yeah. So it it's like they could... They could if they could only swap, if right? they could swap, but wife swap the light love at the lockup ah! edition. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, but I think also like Britney would fucking whoop Clint's ass. <laughs> like, Clint gonna be in the corner crying like man, could you be all folded up and shit? Like oh my god, she would fold his ass up man, real quick. Put that motherfucker in the corner like in a damn Denver Broncos blanket, just like, man, like get your bitch ass in the corner, sit yeah. down, don't say but nothing. It is it is interesting to to think about the kind of dynamics that. Uh, each couple has it was like where if they could just switch yeah and, and like the level of 
the levels of control, right? Like the way that we can kind of look at how Clint, you look at Clint and what he's doing for Tracy and how he's on her. And you're like, I get it. And then I also look at Marcelino and how he's on Brittany and be like, come on, bro. You, you like you, you doing. Yeah. Because the two of the two (laughs) women are exhibiting completely different types of behavior. Like I said, Tracy, and that's not even, not even to be funny. Like I know we like shit on her, like looks and whatever else, but like, just watching her week after week, it really seems as though like she, she could go at any minute. Yeah. She could go get some some crack at any minute. Yeah, and like it, it's weird because <clears throat> it's 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 as it's it's as if her appearance continues to worsen. I think, and and I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't know why. Yeah, and like I wonder, especially if she's not using supposedly right. She, I'm, I'm sure wondering, she's getting checked and whatnot. Part of me is wondering. Because I know, like, once you detox and stuff like that and, like, meth and, and crack or whatever else, like, those are kind of things that can mess with your weight and your appetite and whatever else. And if you're, you know, poor and on the streets, like, you're not eating. But, like, it would seem like she would be getting fat now. But she was fat before. Like, so it's just it's just all strange. Yeah. It's, it's- all strange. She also... Drugs, hard, hard drugs especially, age you. They do things to your skin and whatever else. And I think probably what happened to Tracy, why a lot of why she looks the way she looks is because she got, she blew up and got big, then she got skinny. So it's probably all different times that she's gotten on and off drugs. Like her skin has, you know, been through some things, been stretched out and come back and, and whatever else. But like, and then also like her weird hair weave, (laughs) Her eye makeup the, choices, pink hair. her her just decisions on that kind of stuff are are just kind of off. But yeah. you know, I I and the thing is, Clint at his core, <laughs> like yeah, I Clint has done. He has been been through been through some things, but it's like you almost kind of want to root for him because yeah. he seems like he's just like a nice, sweet guy. <sighs> we all know what he could be. You know, he could be kind of mean. I don't know if I can get mean from from Clint. I really don't. I just feel like Clint. I, I feel like Clint never really was one where like he had the women like clamoring over him and stuff. And so, if any woman really showed him any like genuine attention, that he may get attached. I don't know. I don't know because Clint. You know, he had the um the Camaro. His parents. When have we seen Clint drive that Camaro though? I mean, it's it's there in the driveway. Yeah, we I, don't know what's what. I'm just saying, it could be his weekend car. <laughs> motherfucker might be broke. Is all I'm saying. Could be, but still. But what I'm saying is like, also, you know, white people are a whole other type of animal. Like, there are things that they find attractive and that they do, especially like country white people. Like, that's a whole other type of like attractiveness situation that we just are not a part of and we don't understand that. Things that they. Like, like, mm-hmm. Clint, you know what I'm saying? Clint family, they own a butcher shop, whatever. They got money. He got a nice family. He got a truck and a Camaro. He got a little house or whatever. And, like, you know, he seems to have all his teeth. Like, it's a lot of country white girls out here that, you know, they fuck with that heavy. I, I, get, I get that. But, again, like, when we were introduced to Clint, he was working at the hotel under his, his ex-wife. And his and ex-wife wasn't ugly. She wasn't ugly. I'm just saying that I feel like she was one person who may have been, who may have shown him some genuine attention, and that was enough for Clint. 
And I think that, like, there's a reason why somebody like Clint finds himself, you know, with somebody like Tracy. Like, going to, like, the whole thing of them finding someone that's locked up to be with. You know what I mean? Like, he feels like maybe this is what, this was, that's what's left for me. And he found somebody who he felt like was giving him some genuine attention. And he attached himself to her. And he, like, so attached to her now, like, he's, he's deeply, deeply in love with her. But I just feel like maybe Clint doesn't really have a whole lot of options when it came to women. I mean, maybe and maybe not. There's someone. There's someone. Um, Somebody for, for everybody. everybody. But one thing with everybody outside of Michael, Megan, and Sarah, there's like, well, and kind of not really, but kind of Lizzie. Outside of them. There's a lot of loneliness, mm-hmm. which is something that, like, I could relate to that. Not that I'll be, like, I'm not no letter-writing ass, on-the-phone-ass bitch, so me, me, no. <laughs> Couldn't be me. But there's a lot of loneliness mm-hmm. that is, like, coming coming across in this, this show. There's just, like, you know, with... um Brittany, you know, not really having many friends to connect with. Her two friends, like, she can't really hang out with them because her husband, you know. Clint, like you say, you know, he may not have had that many options. He was probably pretty lonely. Mm-hmm. Tracy doesn't have any connections with anybody. Now we're finding out also Marcelino has fucked up relationship with um his parents and his family and stuff like that. So there's kind of some, you know, he was in the military and mm-hmm. that can bring up all different kinds of feelings of uh loneliness even with Lamar you know wanting to knowing probably you know he's got common sense knowing he shouldn't ha- he should stay home with the family or knowing he should do certain things but you want to connect with the people you feel comfortable with mm-hmm. you want to be around your loved ones and your family and the people you feel like you can be yourself around like that's kind of like a sense of loneliness too when like you may be <clears> around people but you just may not feel that comfortable around them or you can't be yourself. So there's a lot of loneliness on this show. Yeah. Yeah. There is. That's a very astute observation there, babe. <laughs> um, so we haven't talked at all about Megan, Michael, and Sarah. This particular episode. Who the fuck? <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me go ahead and mute this shit right now. There we go. All right, so um, Megan, Michael, and Sarah. We pick up with them. Uh, Sarah is, like, screaming into her phone. She's upset because, you know, Michael had been out of jail for about five hours. He hadn't called her yet. He was out fucking around with Megan. She's salty about it. Going out for sandwiches. Going out for sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) And she's upset about it, and she's going the fuck off. And Michael is just like, but you you overreacting. It wasn't nothing. I was out with Megan, yeah, but like it was it was really like nothing. Um, the the tricked up part about this though to me though, the entire time he's sitting there with having his FaceTime with with uh, with Sarah, his sister Day Day is sitting right there, and Day Day was the one who told Sarah that he was out with Megan. And after he gets off of the phone with Sarah, he's now confiding in Day Day about how mad Sarah was. And I just sat there and watched that shit like, man, he, 
<laughs> you don't even know. Your, I don't your think, sister said show old your that whole shit off. But I don't think it's even like that. I think he probably is aware of uh his sisters meddling in their relationship. Mm-hmm. I think this is just me really, really, really guessing. But from what it seems like is that Michael has been ain't shit. Oh yeah. And so Sarah has probably always forgiven him. Mm-hmm. And it seems like his sister is just old enough to where she was kind of involved with the shits. Mm-hmm. She's kind of intermingling. Sarah probably like vented to her, was friendly with her, whatever. They were semi-close, whatever else. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not that she just was like interloping. I think she just is, she's, she knows. And I think, I think she's probably more privy to their relationship and more a part of, not a part of the relationship, but like, I think she's just more privy to more information than we're seeing or more involved, you mm-hmm. know? She'd probably be texting with Sarah about other stuff. Oh, or yeah. Or they probably hung out. Sarah has obviously come around and been around the family because where else would she borrow that black scent from? So, <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's one of those things like, and you also got to think like, so interesting the two most private people like got married to each other like you and i like i would never have any kind of conversation like like that in front of anybody mm-hmm. and neither would you like we're gonna like go off into the other room <laughs> go to the bathroom yeah, I, I like go be... somewhere else yeah. but like when you think especially people around family a lot of people are not like that yeah they just go air the shit out or let you know let everybody else hear so yeah um yeah, th- that entire thing just kind of like I said with with her mom. <clears throat> I'm sorry with um with Michael's mom and sister. Low key, I like I just kind of feel like their loyalty to Sarah really is only so that they can have access to the kid. I think that their loyalty is probably. I don't even think it's necessarily loyalty. I think it's like probably like Sarah. I think I think it's like they're cool with her when he's cool with her. I think that's probably how it was for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Then he had a he had a baby with her. So now there's more kind of, you know, there's more they got more skin in the game. Now they want to be involved, you know, with the baby yeah, and that's my grand whatever baby, else. That's my niece. And then now he's gonna have another baby with her. So like mm-hmm. now there's more skin in the game. But I think just the same with any person, just like my mom was with my sibling. When the when he's cool with the girl, you cool with the girl. When he's not cool with the girl, you not cool with the girl. Until you know, luckily he didn't have any kids with anybody, so there was never any reason for my mom to like kind of cross enemy lines or whatever else. But I think that's the situation that Carolyn and Dada are in now. Is like they kind of have to cross enemy lines because they see that there's more to this now. Yeah. Well, I, the reason why I say that like they're invested in like they, they definitely chose a side considering the two women that Michael's involved with. And also we have to, I always, I keep forgetting this. Michael and Sarah are married. Yeah. So I think also that probably is like the, you know how people, everybody has like their line that they draw or everybody mm-hmm. has like their thing. Mm-hmm. And like Carolyn was probably like, didn't really give a fuck whatever. He could have been doing whatever, but then they got married and now she kind of like, hold on. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. You know, mm-hmm. so that's probably it too. Like yeah. they're married. Yeah, they're married. But I think at the same time, I think they also 
knowing what that relationship has been, I think they also know that maybe that marriage was simply an arrangement so that this they can have he can have access to his daughter. Like I really feel like they want like his mom wants to be a grandma, his sister wants to be an aunt, and if if they're all at odds, they don't get a chance to have that relationship with Aviana, his his daughter or whatever. And and it could also just I think we're giving them a lot because it could also just be like that they don't like Megan. Could be, right? But the only thing about that, that I, the only reason why I kind of question that just a little bit is because they never really knew Megan. Yeah, and they but didn't like... know they didn't know what Michael was telling Megan. So, you know, for that girl to come all the way up from Texas to be with him, or you know, to go to New York and all these other things, like, she didn't know he was married until after the fact. And I think at, at that particular point, again, like I said this before, Everybody was just kind of like, yo, Megan is, um, you know, <laughs> yo, Megan is kind of like, yo, she's getting the, you know, the raw end of the deal here. But now that she's continuing to still fuck with Michael after finding out that he's married and she still wants to come around, I think that's where everybody was like, all right, girl, you tripping. And so they've definitely already chosen their side. Like, look, look, he's married. They got a kid. They got another one on the way. Girl, take your ass home. You know, like, you can't come in my house. Don't come on my porch. This girl showing up in the motherfucking driveway, bringing Popeyes to the driveway. You and know, I just... think I think also they're trying to... Ha- they're <laughs> it's like they can't necessarily tell... Michael is an adult. They can't really say to him, you can't have nobody come around this and the other. Like, he's going to still do that. And they want him to stay around. They want him to be around the house and do right with his... Uh, his uh, probation so Mm -hmm. they have to kind of let some things slide but i think they're just trying to like at this point it seems as though they're trying to like stay out of it as most as best that they can Mm -hmm. and so i think that's part of why it was like she can't come in the house or whatever else because then like they look like they playing both sides yeah as well as he is yeah 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 so uh after he had this falling out with sarah over the phone what does he do Calls up Megan. Come get me. We're going to go to the hotel. I need to get some stress off. Yeah, but like for like 30 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, they're, you know, in their early 20s, you know what I'm saying? He just got out of jail. He, you know, thin and spry. Like, it don't seem like 30 minutes should be enough for like whatever they had to fucking get done. Plus, like, he, she got to get him back to... I mean, it is Flint, so it's a smaller city, so... It wouldn't take much to get him back to the house, but still. Yeah, I mean, well, think about it like this, but it's not as if she had, like, a whole lot to judge off of. <laughs> True. She was a virgin when she first got with him. He was the one who took her virginity away from her. He didn't take anything. Well, she she gave... They that, had consensual sex. However that goes. For her first time. Yeah, they had consensual sex. It was her first time. She didn't have a whole lot to judge it off of. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, so... She probably was cool with, like, the 30 minutes or whatever. I mean, I'm pretty sure she was because she knew how... I think she knew what the fuck he was coming over there for. Well, I mean, yes. 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 Yeah. But (laughs) the whole thing, their whole thing, like, it was getting good. And their story or whatever, it was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. It was... You know what it was? It was interesting when I felt like Megan and Sarah was about to scrap. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. 
But then, like, now it's like, we know, I know Sarah is going to have the baby and Sarah is going to drive her ass up to Flint. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing. I'm just guessing. You think Megan going to be there? I don't know if does? Megan's going to be there. I don't know. Or but I don't think. Or Megan going to go home. She going to come back. And Sarah's going to be there. Something is going to happen. With the kids. But like to me now. this the Especially with the whole like. Okay so Megan's fucking secret. Was that she kissed his homeboy. Yeah. Like. I knew it had something. It had. It, I knew it had something to do with another dude. Now I was talking about going all the way with it, but I, I knew it had knew, something to do with I another dude. I knew she dude. wasn't gonna go all the way, and ugh, oh god, Megan, girl, you that fucking desperate to where like it's like even like Michael said, like it's a million other dudes that you could have fucked with, but you had to fuck with my homeboy. We gonna get to that because that's on <laughs> that's on the double. That's on the other side of this shit here. That's in episode two of this I'm one right trying here. To, well, I'm trying to get through it. I'm, I'm trying to get through it too, my love. I'm trying to get through it too. So we're going to move on uh, from this episode, which is risk and regulations. To I mean, the, we talked about both episodes kind of in this. We, Not really. Oh, okay. Not really. Um, <laughs> but um, we're going to move on to, uh, to the other half of this episode uh, where Lamar and Andrea are putting up the Christmas tree. And Lamar wants to go meet up with some family. And her kids, again, ain't feeling it. Like, mm-hmm. come on, man. Like, we putting the tree together. We was going to watch Christmas movies. We was going to bake some cookies. And you want to leave? Like, why you going to leave us here? Like, why you going to cancel on them? Why you canceling on us? Like, what's the deal? And... Yo, I, I'm kind of feeling Lamar, man. He's like, yo, I just want to kind of, I, I kind of want to see my family for a bit. I, I just got home. I just kind of want to go see my people for a minute. Like, you know, it shouldn't be that big a deal. And the whole thing is his family is the reason why he's been locked up. Um, Do you think that's fair for them to like kind of put all of that on his people? For that one, that one particular um, incident? I think it's fair for them to kind of be concerned each and every time, like, he leaves the house. Because mm-hmm. while Lamar kind of seems like he's kind of trying to do right, he kind of also seems like he is with the shit. Like, he gonna, get, he gonna be in the mix a little bit. Um, but, and also, see, I don't know. I've never had really anybody just, like, come out of jail or whatever so I can I could see why they would expect and they would want him to be around or whatever like they trying to portray this whole happy family situation mm-hmm. but they also have to understand like he actually does have like just because Andrea has isolated her and you want to hear from, from the you. rest of the family and where whoever else mm-hmm. it doesn't mean everybody is like that like they have to also understand that he also has other family members and stuff like that now would it make it things a lot easier if like the two parts of the family just came together that's yes what, that's what i thought was odd like the entire time this dude has been locked away like you're his wife like you didn't intermingle with any of his family at all in the time that you've been in los angeles i thought to where you can foster those relationships i feel like i vaguely remember them not getting along with her 
at the wedding. Mm. Vaguely, vague. I would have to really go back and rewatch that. But I remember there being some turmoil and whatever else about that. And also, with the way that she is, I feel like with the way the family members that he showed that he yeah. went out to eat and stuff with, and he did kind of express that, like, um, because Andrea doesn't drink or smoke, she doesn't really party or anything else like that. It would be kind. Of, it's kind of awkward for him to bring her around his family members because, like, his family member, like, they just like a little regular hood family, and so like, like my family. While he may be, <laughs> while he may be, you know, he may not be, you know, partying hard or whatever else. Like, there may he can't be, be himself. There may be drinking or smoking or whatever else around, and she'll be sitting there looking like, you know, oh my god, oh god, yeah, sitting there judging everybody. Yeah, like... and he, you know, so he. Probably that's probably another reason why. And then the kids also would not yeah, know what to do they, around that shit. They'll probably be scared. They saw somebody with a fucking beer. Like they just be, yeah. Crap game going on in the alley, and they just like, oh my god, what the hell? We gotta go, mom. I I can't I, I can't be around this. This is crazy. Yeah, I, I it's just weird that like um, you know, like I said, they they really tried to put it on like, yo, your family is the reason why you get locked up. Like, and it is, it's all based on the fact that he got in the car with his cousin and his cousin had a gun. Not whether or not they were doing anything wrong or nothing. His cousin had a gun. He goes to jail. Your family is now bad. Um, and yeah, I can also, in fairness to these kids, I can also get why they was like, yo, man, we thought we was going to be doing this here at the house. You knew that she was, you, you knew all day that you wanted to go do this and you never said anything to us. And now, at the end of the day, you telling us you want to kind of go out and go be with some people. It does kind of look a little fishy. Yeah, it's like, but I can understand, like, especially when it comes to, like, kids. If you've been with them all day, like, doing some shit during daytime, like, family hours. But then, you know, evening time comes and, like, it's adult hours. It's, you want to go out and stuff like that. It's like, how can you kind of find, um, that balance? Mm Um, I don't know. Well, I guess like if I think if Lamar had expressed earlier in the day that like, look, my people gonna be doing something later tonight. I want to go and kind of see them a little bit, you know. Maybe you don't have this this conversation where you like now. Nah, I gotta tell y'all at the end of the night when we all still had more shit planned, where they already got the expectation set that like, okay, at this time he's leaving. You know yeah, what I'm I mean, I guess, but like the old school part of me is kind of like, nigga, you an adult. You don't got to explain yourself to these kids. Man, yeah. fuck them kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you a fucking adult, man. You a grown ass man. You heard? Oh, baby, with the fuck them I'm kids. I'm just saying, like, you don't got to explain. You know, I mean, I get it. I get it. You I know, get that's it. The, that's the healthy thing to do is I to, get it. you it's, know. Especially if you're trying to ingratiate yourself back into this family fold, right? Like, you know, he says something in the last episode and we didn't, I didn't play the clip all the way through, but he says something in his last episode that I don't think they really quite, um, they quite appreciate in the fact that this dude was like, yo, I just, I, when I, I got out of prison, I had been in prison for 18 years and I stepped into a family. I stepped into this role as a father to a family and I'm, I'm, I'm down for y'all. I'm riding for y'all or whatever, but like, it's a whole lot of people. Most people wouldn't just step into this role as a father no. and a husband to a woman who has three kids. Especially not to the way them two damn older kids act. Yeah. That, I, there's I a lot really of people that wouldn't be able to wouldn't fuck with that. Now, 
And it like that's a whole that's another thing too. Like the way that those the two older kids act, like there's a lot of people that would be like, I'm not fucking with that. They're not gonna take the time to teach them and to make that to help them to understand. And I don't know if Lamar is the the man to to do that. So yeah. he don't know if he has really the emotional IQ to kind of take them through like this is the real world, like this is the world outside of Utah. This is like what it is. This is what happens. Like this is my past. Like I don't know if they can the two parties can really meet. I think to a certain degree I think to a certain degree, like he hasn't really had time to readjust to being a free man. And, and Andrea is pushing a lot of this. She's not really letting things like letting things organically kind of happen. Like letting them all get to know each other, letting them be close. She's kind of like pushing it. Like, Oh, we're moving from Utah to California. And now we all live together. And now we're doing this. Like, so. Yeah. Well, I think, when it came to them moving to California, he told her that, like, yo, I'm not moving to Utah. Yeah, but the thing is, like, to me, this is, like, the same thing I always think. Um, I think about this when it's, like, when I'm watching, like, Love and Hip Hop, and then the person, like, two seasons deep, then the person will be like, yeah, I have three kids, and they all live, <laughs> like, somewhere else. They live with my grandma. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, no, I will not. I'm not saying because it's different. Because I'm not saying she should have left her kids or whatever else. But like people live apart from spouses, from family members, and whatever all the time. Like if you have three kids, like I don't understand how you just left your kids behind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying for a dude, or you just picked up and moved your kids like with no regard to like the health and safety of your fucking kids. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like so, she could have you know made it work, did a little long distance situation for a little bit longer, something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, it, that whole that whole shit is just weird. Um, we're going to move on, back on to uh, Clinton Tracy because Tracy's about to meet Clint's mama. And, like, she freaking out. They, like, going extra hard to prepare, so much so that they asked leave the house 45 minutes before they were supposed to actually meet his mama and daddy. And um, by the time they showed up, it was a half hour later, 75 minutes after they were supposed to meet his mom and daddy, so late that his daddy was like, fuck it, I gotta get back to work. And his mama was basically, uh, she kind of let Tracy know, like, look, not only that she was late, but she was really on some, like, I hate hard drugs, uh, they destroy lives, uh, you know, they, you know, make people into, you know, monsters, or like, not make them into monsters, but like, they turn them into something that, like, so much more worse than they really are. Mm. And, um, she really just kind of let Tracy know, like, yo, you got one time. You you got one time to fuck up. You fuck this up, and my son come back hurt. That's your ass. I mean, she said it in a nice old southern lady way, but, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of what she said to her. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? I mean, she's right. Alice is right. And she was calling her Alice, too. Like, it was funny, because uh, she asked him whether or not it would be okay for her, her to call her Alice, and he was like, nah, probably not. Well, you know, and, and that's a funny, that's a funny thing, like, just different ways that people were raised mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And also, I feel like they're in, like, their 30s or whatever. They're, they're both 38. So, the the notion of being this, this big age and me calling somebody Miss Somebody or whatever else, like, as foreign to me, I wasn't raised like that. Mm-hmm. Um... So I don't know. I don't know about all that. 
You call her her miss. And her I last guess name. I guess maybe it's like a southern thing. Like maybe like since she doesn't know her, and but that's also like I thought that was like a white people thing. Like they be like young calling people calling adults by their first name and stuff. So it'd be like five years old. Like there's Megan. Yeah, Make, like Megan, like eighty years old. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they don't. That I mean, but you know what? The Southern culture is a whole different thing. So I don't know. I didn't really think. I it was. I thought it was funny that she asked, and he was like, "No, maybe not Alice." But then, like, I don't. So I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Um, Sarah called into the doctor's office because again, we 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 reminded that Sarah's nine months pregnant with Michael's kid, and she's about to have her. Uh, birth induced for the second kid and she's really uh stressing over the fact that like yo i'm about to be a mother of two i'm practically doing this by myself uh michael is you know kind of fucking around still with this other this other girl or whatever and she's venting to her friend and her friend is basically like i'm just glad michael's ass ain't here you know and and that's that friend bothers me really i think she really had her best interest in her the friend bothers me because I think I would never, I would just never flat out, even though it would take a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot for me to just flat out say, like, I think it's good that these girls, this, this child's father is not going to be around, not going to be in their life. I don't know if she took it that far. I, I think she was saying, like, as far as being there for the birth, I think that's really what she was, she was like, I don't think he deserves to be here for this. Because of all of the things that he's put Sarah through so far through this pregnancy. Like, you think about it. It's only He only been out a fucking day. He yeah. been out of jail one day. And already, like, this girl is shaking and shit. She's yelling into the fucking phone. And, you know, like, she's, she's stressed the fuck out around the time where she's about to have your, your, your kid. Mm-hmm. So I can I can kind of understand why she's like no nah, I I think it's probably best that this motherfucker ain't around considering all the shit that he's put up. The so thing far. is, to me, I would have left it at like I want I would I'm always the friend that's like I want my friend to have what they want. Mm-hmm. I, and she knows that Sarah wants to have a family, wants of course to have her husband there or whatever else. I want to be sitting. I just I'm just not ever that friend that's gonna sit there and just like diss my friend's man and, and this and the other, like, I'm just not that friend that's gonna do that. I mean, it has to be like a, you know, a obvious situation to where I'm just gonna really go in or whatever else, but I'm looking at it like, it's kind of sad. Like... Yeah, the entire situation it's is sad. sad to, I mean, while I may not really fuck with Sarah like that, I think it is sad, like, they're portraying it like she's just gonna be out here on her own, but Sarah is at home in her hometown. Like she has her family there, her yeah, she's got, group of friends and whatever else. Like system. yes, it sucks that like I think she's a waitress or something, so she had to work nine months into her you know pregnancy in the winter and do things on her own and stuff like that. But Sarah is at home with her, um, you know, family, her, her people, mm-hmm. and everything else. But at the, at the end of the day, it is kind of sad, like. You're screaming and crying over your baby daddy and, like, your husband. He's not going to be there. It's like a family, another family and separated. It's not as if he's all that bothered by the thing. You know, that's the that's the tripped out part about the entire thing is that he knows she's pregnant. He knows the baby is imminent. Like, it's it's close. <laughs> <laughs> it's close. <laughs> baby warning. I'm just imminent saying. Imminent baby. <laughs> the baby is, like, knocking at the door. The motherfucker crowning, okay? The baby is coming. <laughs> 
And he just doesn't seem all that. He seems more worried about getting his dick wet than anything else right now. That seems only be- Yes and no. Okay, how so? Because I'm looking at, like, there's only... He's all the way in Michigan. There's really only so much that he could do. Mm-hmm. When he called her, and this, it, I'm not trying to, you know, be on his team, not capable of him, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when he called her, he didn't call her yelling. He didn't call her, like, yeah, I was with fucking Megan. We doing this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. It was actually, Day Day was like, Mm-hmm. Oh, Megan's here. Oh, they're hanging out, whatever else. So Day Day kind of antagonized the situation. He, and then this is the one case, she's nine months pregnant. Mm-hmm. The, all that yelling and screaming she did could have pushed her into labor. She could have fucking had the baby in the car mm-hmm. or some shit like that. This is the one situation where I would actually say, just fucking pacify her <laughs> at this, at that point in time. That conversation could have gone a whole lot differently, but you know, had yeah, it not been, he was on some like you want, me to, for, you want me to kiss your ass? You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, but what like he what I, like I said, it. he, I don't think he did. I think I think what came across was that she was yelling and she had and every, she had every right to be upset and be mad about you know the situation whatever else, mm-hmm. but it's as if she. Thinks that it's, just, it's as if she thought he was going to get out and everything was just magically going to be okay, which she probably really wanted that to be the um, the case. But, like, there's conversations that needed to be had. There's things that needed to be hashed out. The situation was what it was. What did she... I don't know what he was going to say. Has she not had started yelling and doing all this and, like, whatever. Like, he may have lied and been like, hey, you know, what's up? Just checking on you. Whatever else. Mm-hmm. But... He did not call her. I don't think he called her to antagonize her. He called no, her to he check to check in and be like, you know, hey, what's up, whatever. We don't know what he could have been like. Yeah, I was with um Megan. We went out to lunch. We discussed this and the else, this and the else. Her irateness escalated. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really did anything. I think. At the end of the conversation, when he was, like, yelling, like, do you want a divorce or nah, or, like, whatever else. But Sarah does this thing where, like, she did it to Megan, where she was like, you should just sit there and shut up, and you should do this. If I was if I was you, I would be, you know, doing this and the other. I would just sit there, and I would let you have anything that you want, and this and the other. She does this thing where she, she's one of those people that people are like, what do you want me to say? And she'll tell you what she wants you to say, like... She wants him to have a script. She wants him to say what she wants him to say. Mm-hmm. She does that, like, that's her M.O. when she's yelling when she's mad. So, I don't know. I, I just... get I get the whole thing of, like, yo, like, Day Day set him up for the fall when she told Sarah that he was out with Megan. Yeah. I get that. But also, at the same time, knowing that your wife has a problem with this girl and, like, you know... Like, you know this. They got problems. They don't like each other. And you already know that she done found out that you out here with this girl, this, that, and the other. I just kind of feel like, yeah, you if you already know how this is going to play out, don't therefore, like, kind of ratchet it up even more by be like, yo, fuck it. We can get this divorce. You want me to kiss your ass, this, and the other? Because truth be told, he really didn't have a response, a truthful response to anything she was saying to him. 
Like, even the whole thing about, like, you know, you got your girlfriend out here. He like, oh, I ain't got no girlfriend. Knowing damn well, he telling Megan he love her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, he kind of want to be. tell somebody you love them and they're not your girlfriend. You, you know what I mean, baby. Like, I do you know, know what you mean, you, but I'm being, I guess it's like devil's advocate. And I hate devil's advocate. Well, I'm just saying, because you, you have to think of, even though, like, Michael, like, yeah, he's a fucked up person. Like, you kind of have, you have to think about certain things. I guess also my disdain for Sarah has made me try to think about things from his side too. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that she is and the way that she behaves is just like, yes, I feel it sucks for her situation, but it's just like, it's hard for me to have a lot of compassion for her. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a, a, a big fan of Sarah either, but I feel like in that particular moment, like she had every fucking right to be upset and shit. I, I, I couldn't really fault her for, that whole interaction, like, yo, man, what are you doing? Like, this is what you're doing, knowing you, your, your wife is out here pregnant, you get out of jail, you don't you don't call me, you you fucking around with her? Like, I, I, I think, get and it. I, and I think also, um, it was also the fact that Megan was there. I get it. In person. Like, standing right there. So, I don't think he probably knew how he could have got out of the situation to, like, step away and call Sarah. Like, I just, like, that would have been, it's just like the way that it, the way that it seemed, it didn't seem like he really had time to where he could step away and call her or whatever else. It, I mean, he, in general, he's just trying to play both sides. I think. Yeah, that's, he, yeah. But I also think the way that they're trying to, kind of making it look is that at this point in time, Megan is kind of winning. Like, Megan is, is, is kind of winning the game because she's there. She doesn't. Well, up until she tells them that she kissed his homeboy. But, like, Megan is kind of, like, winning. Like, she's there. She, you know, giving up the cat. Mm-hmm. Bringing a nigga chicken. <laughs> you know, whatever else. While Sarah is just, like, yelling in the phone with her sunglasses on. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I guess you take wins how you can get them. But, you know, we can go ahead and start wrapping a lot of these up. Uh, this whole thing about her. Like, the the big secret that she's been waiting to tell him is that, like, yo, I was entertaining one of your homeboys. Yeah. Like, you know, after what happened, after I found out you was married, after I found out that you you, you got a, a, a baby on the way, uh, you broke my heart, this, that, and the other, uh, you owe me some money, your partner got the money to me, and, you know, we started communicating, and this, that, and the other happened. I kissed him or whatnot. And just like a fuck nigga, though, Michael couldn't take that shit. I mean, I don't blame him. I don't blame it. Whatever, man. Whatever. I don't know. You don't think baby. he? You don't baby. think he should have been mad? I don't think he had any right to be mad. What's so fucking ever? I think. Considering I think, their situation, Michael had no fucking I reason think to if, be pissed. I think if he, she had said, "I kissed somebody else," or "I entertained someone else," and it had the person had no relation to him. Uh huh. I think then, nigga, you have no right to be mad. Uh-huh. But I think he was, what he was more upset about was the fact that it was his homeboy. Uh-huh. I think it wasn't, because he really wasn't saying nothing about, like, he like, man, you could have kissed anybody. You could have fucked with hundreds of millions of other niggas. Uh-huh. It had to be my homeboy. Uh-huh. Because I think while, yeah, Michael's a fucked up person, he had a whole other life and he was talking to other girls and, you know, when Stan talking, he was messing with Sarah the whole time. Mm-hmm. Sarah and Megan did not know each other. Mm-hmm. They weren't friends. So I think he was, he wasn't, I don't think his, I don't think he was so mad 
that she kissed somebody else. Like, yeah, he was mad because, like, who who's not going to be a little bit mad or whatever. But I think he was more mad that, like, it was his homeboy. So he mad, like, his homeboy, he mad at her. Like, I think it was more that than, like, you kiss somebody else. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they were in the car before, and he was asking her, like, so, yo, I've been locked down all this time. Like, who you been fucking? You know what I'm saying? Like, he... And I think... I think if they, they, I think if she would be like, oh, you know, I kissed somebody or whatever else, like he probably would have played mad or he would have, he would have flipped the situation like, oh, the dick ain't better than mine, like whatever else. I think he would have did some fuckboy shit like that. I mean, shit, he, he been doing fuckboy shit the whole time though. Like, I just kind of feel like, I, this is just me with Michael, like, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for him considering the fact that like, yo, you got a wife, you got a, you got a kid, your wife is pregnant right now. Here you are with your girlfriend. You cheating on you cheating on your girlfriend with your wife, or your you cheating on your wife with your girlfriend, and your girlfriend kissed kissed your boy, and you like, well, shit, this is done. You know what I'm saying? Like you ready to end it right there, as if she couldn't also do the same thing with you. Like once she found out that you got a whole ass wife and a kid and one more on the way with her. So I, I'm just, like, not really feeling his whole, like, you know, this whole, like, his performance and shit. Like, yo, man, you know, I, I think we need to call this a rap. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just kind of like, ah, oh, nigga, come on, man. You tripping. Especially considering your situation. I don't really think you got a whole lot of legs to stand I on. I mean, no. Thing. No. But I think, I think it's, it's funny, like, she did the one thing that he didn't do. <laughs> like, he ain't go find one of her friends to fuck with. <laughs> but she did <laughs> um and i also think it goes to show like girl is you that lonely like is you that desperate i mean she did find a nigga that was locked up like and that's... the thing the thing also about it too is like it's not like it's not like okay megan makes poor hair decisions and she dresses like an eight-year-old but other than that <laughs> the whole you know what i'm saying me and her we probably we might be about the same size and like uh, our size girls is the wave right now. Like we are living our best life and, mm. and out here with the body confidence and whatever else. So it can't be that. And she down south niggas like big girls down south. I don't know why she's so lonely. I don't know. I don't know, girl. I, don't know. I want I want the thing is also I want it better for Megan, but now that I realize Make it, make it. Her her true colors are kind of coming out. Yeah, like Megan kind of ain't shit as well. Yeah, when 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 she decided that she was gonna continue on with this shit after the fact, like I said that, like I think that's when she started losing a lot of people. Like people yeah, were on I her mean, side at first. Like even though we don't know what yeah. he's saying to her and like whatever else, and like that's her true. She might be in love with him. Can't help who you love. Blah 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 blah. But. I think some of her true colors are starting to come out. Like, her little attitude and stuff is starting to come out. Mm-hmm. She not as, like, jolly and, like, innocent as she was playing before. No, I'm, well, I think, <clears throat> I, I think to a certain degree, there was a lot that she probably did not know. I don't think she knew that. But just even, like, her personality. Yeah, I, I, I think she she's definitely making some, some fucked up decisions. And I think, again, like I said, just... The fact that you even decided to continue on with this, his mama don't want to fuck with you, his sister don't want to fuck with you, he got a baby on the way, like, all these fucking red flags are flying over this nigga, and yet and still, you carry your ass up from Texas to fly up to cold-ass Michigan in the wintertime to come fuck with this guy, like, 
she just don't come off that all that bright to me right now. No. So, um, Brittany, um, it's not she, Brittany went out with her friend because her friend is actually getting ready to like go to jail. They think she might get yeah. locked up for like ten to thirty fucking years behind, uh, you know, murder and conspiracy for robbery and all well, this other stuff. She took a plea for all the robberies. Yeah, she took a much. plea. She could get anywhere between between ten to thirty years in prison, and so her and Brittany go out to have drinks. Uh, it looked like they had chilies or something. <laughs> they were not at chilies. They well, were at Applebee's? some sort of no. They were at some sort of not branded okay. restaurant. Okay. They look like chilies glasses, but <laughs> um, so they basically just like kind of having a moment because she goes to court the next day to find out how long she's gonna be put away, and Brittany's having a really hard time you know, dealing with it because she's like, yo, basically I'm about to lose my best friend. I'm not going to be able to go see her in prison because I'm an ex-con. Um, and we may be separated from each other for, again, 10 to 30 years. And so she's really taking it hard. Um, and like I said, I really feel like Brittany's connection with her friends is mostly because she doesn't have a lot of family. You know, she doesn't have a whole lot of people that she can kind of fall back to. Her friends have kind of become like a uh, a substitute for the family that she does she doesn't have um and this becomes a thing because she comes home at about eleven thirty at night marcelino was upset that she left the car at the restaurant and she took an uber home because she had been drinking um and they get into a fight as to whether or not it was responsible for her to leave the car at the restaurant because marcelino's like well i got to take giovanni to school in the morning this is what I'm talking about when I talk about responsibility. Forgetting the fact that she had been drinking and probably shouldn't have been behind the wheel in the first place. Kind of that rock in a hard place thing there. Yeah. How'd you feel about that situation? I mean, I was annoyed. With? I was, I was, <laughs> I was annoyed because to me, Barcelona, like, I didn't understand... Like, I get it. Like, yeah, that'd be annoying to have to, like, get up extra early, like, go get the car and, like, whatever else. But, like, he couldn't even acknowledge the fact that, like, she made, you know, the right decision or whatever. Mm. It was like he selfishly was like, like, you inconveniencing me. Yeah. You know, like, that was kind of, that was uh, selfish. Selfish of him. Yeah, and it was it was weird because he kind of framed it like, well, I'm because I'm doing this for you. Like, I got to take your son to school in the morning. Um, and you left the car, so you need to go back up there and go get the car. <laughs> but, okay, so now she she been drinking. Maybe she's sober now. I don't know. I mean, that that but, type of fucking discussion and argument will blow your whole shit. So yeah. now so maybe it's she's, like, fuck it, I'm about to go back Maybe and get she's the car. sober now, but, like, the whole thing was like, yo, I was drinking, and rather than get my ass behind the wheel, I can get, you know, in an Uber or whatever, come home, and I would have thought that you would have thought that was a good idea, but clearly it's always has to be done your way or is not the right thing for anything to be done around here. Um, I, I, like I said, man, Marcelino is just like that. The, the way that he try to wheels control over Britney is like, the, the shit just doesn't sit right with me. Um, Lizzie shows up at Scott's door in California. Totally lied to her daughter, told her she wasn't going to California to go see with Scott and work it out. But damn it, she's on Scott's door. First thing she does, she sees that, uh, his friend Charlene opens the door. She thinks it's Jasmine, the girl he went out on a few dates with. <laughs> and she accused Scott of cheating on her. <laughs> she smacked fire from Scott 
when she, when she got close enough to him, said, that's for cheating on me. But going out on dates with that girl, I'm like, how in the fuck is it cheating if y'all nah, ain't together? She fucking, was she fucking pretending she had a gift for her? It was like, it's in my purse. And she and like, Frank, Frank reached to her purse and then like pulled out and pulled her hand out and then slapped him. Like, that shit was low-key funny. But I think Lizzie is like, like I just want to be like, bitches, you high? Like, how is he cheating on you? Like, Y'all wasn't together. Y'all was y'all weren't together. And like I, I get it. Like the whole like we was talking but we wasn't talking. Like we were, you know, that kind of cheating. Mm-hmm. But like he, he flushed the ring down the toilet. Like you he left. She kept the ring. Oh, well He flushed he put a cell phone. It was a cell phone and a cigarette in that toilet. He flushed he supposedly flushed the engagement ring that he had given her. When she was out, the mm-hmm. ring that she had, then that they were speaking of, was a ring that he snuck into the prison and gave her. Ah, so that was two different rings. But so he apparently was supposedly, you know, whatever, whatever the case might be, they were supposedly not together. Well, clearly they weren't together. She was off in Wisconsin working at her sausage factory or whatever the fuck she works at, and he off in California doing his thing. So she's just. I think she is just like, and Lizzie is in her own world, her own zone, her own like everything. She just yeah. is off in fucking La La Land. Yeah. Now wrapping up, this is the last segment, babe. And we got, we going back to uh, Lamar and Andrea, but really just Lamar, because Lamar is out with his people. Yeah. And um, they're out at the restaurant. It looks like they having wings and shit like that. And it's, his people is basically like, yo, so what is it about Andrea that like? You feel like, what is it about her? You know what I'm saying? Like, why do you, why are you with her? Is it that you really love her or do you feel obligated to be with her because she was with you when you were in prison? Mm -hmm. And he really just kind of laid it out like, yo, man, I I didn't have anybody. Nobody was really stepping up and helping me, you know, uh, when I needed them. And she stepped up in that way. And I I'm, I'm grateful to her for that. But his boy, one of his boys is like, yo, but is that really a reason to be with somebody? Mm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really know like what the right answer to that question would be. I think that no, that's not, that's not enough to carry a relationship. No, but it, it isn't. It can be what starts a relationship or it can be something that you can always, maybe you can always kind of come back to that because that kind of regardless of the TV show and like whether it's fake or not, if it is like assuming that it's real, Mm -hmm. that kind of support and that kind of like dedication to someone takes a lot. And it shows you what kind of person Mm -hmm. that Andrea at her core is. Could be. Or yeah, could be. It, It really shows a lot about a person to really like stay faithful to someone to hold them down, to like support them and be there and whatever else. Now, if she wasn't behaving like such a fucking wackadoo when he's out, I would, you know, respect that more and I would, like, take it more seriously. But her behavior while he's been out and her actions with her kids and stuff like that have been kind of, like, contradictory to... Yeah, yeah. And I, I it, it's this... The, the idea that his wife doesn't have, like, any sort of relationship with the people that he loves right like it is it's it's something to that where like i think that i think that cohesiveness of that family unit that they're trying to build would be a a hell of a lot easier if they weren't if andrea and her kids weren't so rigid yeah and you know 
how they look at what family is or I think how, it's not even how they look at what family is. I think it's how they look at black people and how, how they basically how, how they, they look, look at, at society people. and stuff in general. I think that they while there's not to me, let's there's nothing wrong with being conservative. There's nothing wrong with not drinking, not smoking. There's nothing wrong with being religious as long as it's not a fucking cult and you're not hurting anybody. Like there's nothing wrong with those things. That's perfectly fine. That's regular stuff. Mm. Regular people there's regular people out there who don't drink, don't smoke and whatever else. Mm. Now where it comes where it's wrong is when you judge people for doing those things. I could judge someone now you could judge someone for drunk driving because like they could fuck somebody up. But you shouldn't be judging someone for sitting at their house having some beers. Mm. And Andrea and her kids are the type of people that's going to judge you for sitting at your house having a beer. You know what I'm saying? Like Man, they be judging the fuck out of me up in here. Well, I'm just, like, they're judging those kind of things. I think that's where a lot of people, that's a problem that a lot of people have with people who are, like, super Christian or super religious is that you that is the judgment. Mm-hmm. Because, not even, like, you judging me, but you do this, but just, like, the flat-out judgment. Nobody likes to feel judged and I feel like that's how Andrea and her kids act Andrea and her two older kids act as if they are like holier than now yeah and they act as if the way that they are is how everyone should be and they have absolutely no clue how life outside of where they're from really fucking works yeah and that's just basically the gist of it but but. there also is something to be said for someone saying like it's kind of uneven but it's like when people say I'm marrying you, not your aunts, uncles, grandpa, grandma. Like, I'm marrying you. Mm-hmm. Like there's some people say like you marry somebody, you're marrying their whole family. Some people say you marry somebody, you're marrying them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's something to be said for both sides because, um, when it comes to Andrea, he married her and like, she has three kids. Those three kids are dependent on her. So he, th- they come as a package. Mm-hmm. Now, Andrea married Lamar and I don't know I can't remember if he has any kids of his own but like family members and other you know extended family they don't they're not dependent on him Mm -hmm. so they're not in and out of your regular everyday life they're not living with you whatever else so Mm -hmm. like there's a whole different dynamic with that yeah I mean like I think it is definitely different when you you equate like kids with like family like you got uncles aunts and stuff like that like I think those relationships are different you know, just the, the basis of those relationships are different, but his connection to them may be just as strong as they are to these kids. that he's now taking on the role of being a father to like, yo, his uncles may say, for instance, he, he may have an uncle who may have been more of a father figure to him. Yeah. You know? And so like, you want me to not go around my uncle or and my, and my cousins because this one incident happened, but like, yo, we got years built behind this relationship that was kind of formative for me, even though I, I I I had a time where I was locked up, that's still my family. Yeah, like, to me, I guess, like, I might be a fucked up person for feeling this way, but, like, to me, it's perfectly fine if you don't want to be around your significant other's family. Where the problem comes in is when you try to keep your significant other from being around their family. Like, that's that's just fucked up. Like, that's the same thing as, like, when people are like, I'm not friends with them, so you can't be friends with them. Like, what? <laughs> For what reason? Like, did they do something to you? Like, whatever else. Like, I know people who their significant other's family have done, like, terrible things to them and, like, whatever else. And the 
the significant other is like still pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And like when the situation is like that, it's like, it's okay. <laughs> like, let me do me. Um, but I, I don't know. I could see if like she didn't want to be really around them or she didn't feel comfortable around them or whatever. Like if she tried and she didn't, they didn't like, it didn't work out. But then it seems like she doesn't want him to be around. Like she doesn't want him to be around them at all. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it, it plays out. So like her if, and the kids are like, man, fuck yeah, up. like fuck, that's fuck all of them. That's where it's fucked up. Like yeah, it kind of sucks a little bit that like she doesn't really want to be around them and like it makes it a ton easier if you can, you know, your families or whatever can coincide or like you can like get along or whatever else. But like, ugh. yeah, man, it's a lot. But that's it. We got through it all. Two episodes in a row of life after lockup, love after lockup, and a little bit of midsummer, y'all. We got a little bit of midsummer in there. But uh, we're going to get on up out of here. We've been talking for quite some time. And uh, we really appreciate everybody who's going to listen to this. Uh, let me remind you guys how to get in touch with us over here at the Baywatch Podcast and let your voice be heard. Go ahead and hit up that hotline at area code 313-288-0485. That's area code 313-288-0485. Leave those voicemail messages. We'll replay them here on the show and respond to you guys right here. You can also email us here at feedback at thebaywatchpod.com. That's feedback at thebaywatchpod.com. Go ahead, leave us those emails, and we will read those emails here live on the show and respond to you here as well. Hit us up on Twitter. My name on Twitter is Mr. Underscore Span, and my lovely wife's Twitter is Podcast Bay. Go ahead and follow those accounts. And uh, yo, hit us up on the website, www.thebaywatchpod.com. You can go there, listen to replays of the show. Uh, you can leave ratings for the movies that we review on there. Uh, you can donate to the show as often as you like, as much as you like. And of course, we really do appreciate every dime over here at the Span Report Podcast Network. And you can become a Patreon patron and help us move our shows. Off of the Facebook when we do the Facebook uh, when we do the, the live shows for uh, beer and chicken and the span report. So we really do appreciate everybody who goes about that. Uh, and that's it. We will... No, that's not it. It's not it. I have an announcement. Um, I made it to fifty followers on Twitter, and I told y'all in the beginning, like once I made it to fifty followers, that I'll do a giveaway. So I'm doing it. I'm doing a little contest. So the rules of the giveaway are this. Gotta be over 18. Gotta be following myself at Podcast Bay. Gotta be following Mr. Span at Mr. Underscore Span. Mm-hmm. Um, and you gotta be, did I say over the 18? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what I need you to do, since you made it this far, the first person to DM me on Twitter and tell me what was the title of the very first episode of the Baywatch podcast will win either a um, $25 gift card or you can pick something out of the, um, what is it called? The store? Fan Report Podcast Network <laughs> You can store. pick something out of the store um, and I will send it to you. So we'll talk to each other. So the, the $25 gift cards though, babe, like where are we talking about giving It can be... From? You you tell me. If you want a $25 gift card to Applebee's, I'll buy a $25 gift card to Applebee's and I will send it to you. All you right. want one for, you have AMC movie theaters and that's what you want because you want to go see some summer movies, then I will send it to you. Or you just tell me what it is that you want out of the store and like your specific size and all that stuff and I will send it to you. So, yeah. 
All right. Some goodies coming your way if you do what she said, man. Some goodies coming your way. It is time for us to get on up out of here, though. It's been almost two hours, baby. It's the longest episode ever. Yep, I can tell. (laughs) All right, man. We're going to get on up out of here. We will talk to you guys again later. Until next time, fam. Peace. Bye.